I'm Sarah Gross. And I'm Sarah True. And you're listening to If We Were Riding. A triathlon-ish podcast. Grab your sock hats, fill your decanter. Friday's here. It's time for some banter. Try tips, life chat from two feisty pros, zoomies, arm hair, ebbs, and flows. Rides with influential women in sport. Voicemails from you, now it's in your court. Join in just to stalk raccoons. Do you like your Zwift caps and fear those loons? So unpad your bras and stop that hiding and find out what happens if we were riding. Sarah! It's so good to see you. I feel like, you know, when, when we go without seeing each other for a week, it feels like a really long time. I know, but Mm -hmm. it just gets me that much more excited to record with you. I know, I know. We couldn't miss it this week, for sure. Even though we had to redo, like, at a different time, we still, like, we committed. We committed to this. I want our audience to know. For sure. We we found a way. And it it looks like you may have um, a rush to get here. Uh. (laughs) Sarah's Sarah's referring to the fact that like I look like a drowned rat right now like I came running in literally running in from my run had a quick shower and then when I was in there like I wasn't going to wash my hair you know it's just going to rinse off it's going to do the rinse then I'm like you know what then I won't have to have another because I haven't washed my hair in a few days and like then I won't have to have another shower later so I'm just going to do it. And then, you know, what happens to me is like, I I used to be able to rush. Like I used to be like a three minute shower person, hair washed, done, ready, like, you know, in my twenties. And now I like, I forget that I'm supposed to be rushing. Right. So like I'm in the shower and I'm like problem solving, thinking about what I did. And suddenly I was like, oh my God, Sarah. <laughs> and, I came, and I have like a smoothie and everything. Like I didn't have time to eat. So I, I respect it. This is kind of my life now. Uh, so I was, I always feel that on, on Mondays and Tuesdays, I have, I have class and Monday, my time to swim is during our lunch break, which is normally like an hour, 15 hour and a half. Needless to say, it's a rushed, like swim, shower, get back process. Um, but I, I would love to know what like my classmates think, because I come in rushing, just <laughs> hair all look all over the place, goggle face. Like I am eating like my lunch as I come in because I haven't had a lunch break. And it just adds to the weirdness of what they think of me, I think. It's like, I get up and like start stretching during class and I get like really fidgety and stuff. Like they must think I'm so weird. I'm okay with it because it's normal for me. So I don't know any different. Um, Don't you think, are you allowed to eat in class? Cause I used to find that like, like, why would you eat separate? Like when you're the best time to eat is when you're sitting and you're supposed to be paying attention to someone talking to you. Like, you know what I mean? Like if you're in a lecture, that's a great time to have lunch. Are you allowed that? Well, now, now that we're, cause we had mask policy until March. Oh, right. was, it was a little awkward, uh, when we still had masks, but now that we don't, I'll definitely. Until March. That's recently. That's like a month ago. Yeah. Wow. That was a long standing mask policy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we, we were going to stop in January, but then, uh, a few people in the cohort had, um, uh kids who were under six months Mm -hmm. so they just Um, yeah like you know yeah abundance of caution yeah um and yeah why not we were used Mm -hmm. to it anyway so uh 
And it was actually amazing to see everybody's faces basically for the first time when. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like March 1st or whenever it was just people walking through the door just had these massive grins on their faces. Like, oh, my goodness, I can see everybody. It is so wonderful. Um, yeah. I remember that phase, like at the gym and stuff. It's like, oh, or at like uh, Quench where we have our office, like the co-working space. It's like you didn't know it. Like I didn't really know what people looked like until, especially in the main common area, like where people would come out to get coffee and have lunch and stuff. No idea. And I was like, oh, that's what you look like. Okay. (laughs) Wow. That's what you look like under the mask. I, when I was doing my PhD, this goes back, but I had like a similar thing. Like I, I'm sure I've said this before. Like I would come, like I would go to the bike to the pool in the morning, right? Come in. I'd be like my bike at my office. Like we had shared office spaces that had individual desks when I did my PhD and get this here. This is, it's so long ago that one area had like desks and the other area was the computer room. And the computer room had those big computers, the monitors that were like a foot deep. Like, you know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you would put a pen drive in. I think pen drives had just been invented so that you could store your work. And one time I it got corrupted and I lost a ton of work, but that's a side thing. So anyway, I used to go, I come in, I'm like locking my road bike in the hallway to the <laughs> banister. Like it was probably a fire hazard, no doubt. It's an old building in Edinburgh, right? And then I would have like my chlorine soaked like swimsuit and towel just like hanging over the radiator and like stinking up my corner. <laughs> like, And if I'd leave and come back, I'd be like, oh, it does stink like chlorine back here. But they must, and then I would work, like I would sit there because I would, I would eat through lunch or I'd, I would like work through lunch, I should say. So I would just like sit there for like six hours, do everything I needed to do. And by like three, 3.30, I'm like packing it. And they're like having tea, taking a break, doing the thing. That, and I have no idea what anyone thought. I did like chit chat with some of them sometimes, of course, but you know. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. It was no. intense. Similar, similar. So like when, when my classmates go out for like a beer after Tuesday class and I'm like decked out for a run before I drive home, um, <laughs> kind of similar. Like, no, yeah. I don't, I don't have time to socialize. Like I need, yeah. I need to maximize here, but yeah. Who cares what they think of us? Yeah. It's Okay. Yeah, I I feel like our listeners, they, they're on board with the, Mm -hmm. you know, if yours coming and going from to whatever a workout, like you're going to be, they probably understand. It's all. I think actually, this is probably the, one of the more relatable things we've talked about. (laughs) This is actually like real person (laughs) stuff. Not like it used to be like, I have a, I work out, I have my breakfast, I go home and have a nap. Like that's like, That was my old life, not literal. <laughs> <laughs> like, hmm, how did I recover faster? Let me see. Yeah. Um, okay, coming up on the show, Sarah and I are going to do some follow-ups from last week. We have a couple of lovely voicemails from listeners. I'm going to talk about a women in sport panel and getting rid of gear. The fastest path to living healthier, longer starts inside. Inside Tracker takes a personalized approach to health and longevity from the most trusted and relevant source, your body. It was created by experts in aging, genetics, and biometric data from Harvard, Tufts, and MIT. That's quite a list. Inside Tracker provides personalized health analysis and clear recommendations, plus an action plan on how to live healthier, longer. 
When I do my inside tracker tests, I always use the mobile blood draw service. It's amazing because you can enjoy a premium lab experience in the comfort of your own home or your office. All you have to do is book a time that suits your schedule and they will come to you. The scheduling is easy and they send you text alerts. So you'll get appointment updates and notifications when your inside tracker health analysis and custom action plan are ready to view. It's great for busy people who want to save time. So if you want to try Inside Tracker's mobile blood draw service and find out what's going on inside your body for your health, go to insidetracker.com forward slash feisty and get 20% off today. That's insidetracker.com forward slash F-E-I-S-T-Y. As a former pro triathlete who now does very amateur crossfitting for fun and is in perimenopause, meaning I can't count on my hormones to be consistent anymore, one of my main limitations is the speed at which I build muscle. It just doesn't come easily for me. I wanted to make sure I am actually getting the benefits of the little time I do have to work out. That's why Amino Co's Perform is the perfect product for me. It tastes good and I just sip on it before and during my workouts. The AminoCo's Perform formula has clean ingredients and is great for your everyday routine to help give your body the fuel it needs to perform at its best and recover faster and stronger from workouts. What's even better is that AminoCo's Perform was created by former Harvard professor and world-renowned clinical researcher Dr. Wolf. As a competitive athlete, Dr. Wolf has completed 62 marathons in under 2.30 whoa, and is still fueling his body with Perform at age 75. So if you are looking for a nutritional advantage when it comes to boosting your peak athletic performance, I recommend you give Perform a try. It's scientifically three times more effective on a gram for gram basis than any other protein source. To try it yourself and get 30% off, Use the code RIDING, R-I-D-I-N-G, when you visit aminoco.com forward slash riding. That's A-M-I-N-O-C-O dot com forward slash riding. Okay, Sarah, my first question for you, Boston Marathon is coming up yes. now. Yes. Have, has everybody managed to stay healthy? Uh, I think so. We Oh, if they have it, you aren't going to say. <laughs> well, I don't know. There's like a concern. I just realized how like, dumb a question that was. Go ahead. Sorry. There's, there was like a concern about loose stools a couple of days ago, but we're not going <laughs> to go into details. Like, I think everything's all good in the house. <laughs> I don't That's... want to embarrass anyone. <laughs> hey, you don't want to, yeah. You don't want to throw anyone under the bus or anything. <laughs> well, that's. Uh, overall good to hear <laughs> I guess yeah yeah so Monday uh, I mean it's it's been wild because you know we've had our our toddler around and he's used to getting out a lot of energy during school um, mm. it's just been you know it's it's been a lot of energy he's super fun though um, trade-off so yeah. that is a trade-off yeah it is like, a trade-off mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Between, because like then you, yeah, you keep him home and you have less chance of getting ill. Ben has less chance of getting ill, obviously, yeah. but then you, <clears throat> yeah. If you, then you have him home. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you have yeah. to deal with him for two weeks before a major event. What, what I did was I got him some like toddler sized uh, yard equipment. So like rakes and shovels and stuff. Oh, so it's nice. amazing because we're getting some work done. Uh, <laughs> not terribly productive, but like digging holes, um, oh, yeah. you know, getting some energy out. So yeah, perfect. And I just can kind of stand there. <laughs> I love that when they like, they have this little desire to help and to do whatever you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. So we're we're hawk and i are going to go down on sunday uh we stay we're going to stay in a separate hotel room and uh and then monday ben runs with on patriots day so it's for listeners who know boston marathon it's always on monday on patriots day i have no idea what patriots day uh, is other than it's some holiday that's celebrated in massachusetts and i think just massachusetts Oh, it's only celebrated in Massachusetts. I think so. Maybe that's interesting. Yeah, it's not. It's not a thing in other states. Okay. Oh, that's why you don't know. So you have an excuse. I do have an excuse because I don't live in Massachusetts. I didn't grow up there. Right. Yeah. Oh, I I just googled Patriots Day and it comes up as like a, a the movie. Um, <laughs> it's a multi day festival in and around Boston, honors the memory and meaning of the first battle of the American Revolution fought in the nearby then villages of Met, oh no, Monotomy, Monotomy, now Arlington, Lexington, and Concord. So, yeah. There you go. There- it's April 19th, 1775. Well, now it's celebrated the third, third Monday in April. Uh, and that's going to be this Monday. And um, we have to figure out like, you know, our synchronized cheers and all of that. You, you, and, <laughs> you and Hawk? Yep. <laughs> you and Hawk. Oh, have you figured out what you're going to cheer? We asked for like cheering yeah. advice and, and we didn't get any, did we? Did you get some? I don't know. I don't think so. Um, <laughs> you don't check your social anyway. So if anybody gave Sarah some advice, she didn't get it. <laughs> This is this is this is a topic for next week. Like I need to re-enter into the Instagram world. I have basically not been on it in 2023. And I need to re-enter. Whoa. I know. Yeah, you missed like, Q1 completely. Just totally. Like, <laughs> totally. And it's gone so long enough. I'm like, am I done with it? But I don't think I am. Like I miss it, but I just it's so weird. So yeah, we're gonna shelf this for next week. Maybe I'm gonna post by then. Yeah. Okay. Do you I do Older. you get news somewhere? Like, how do you know what's going on in the world? News. <laughs> the news. Like, so you watch the news, the regular news, like New York Times. You know. Okay. You read yeah. news. I read. Also. Okay. I read news. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. Yeah. So that, but I just I feel so out of what's happening in triathlon, partly because of it. Um, mm. I'm mm-hmm. gonna re-enter. I promise. And if you send a message telling me what to put on our t-shirts, it's too late. Uh, <laughs> so thanks for all your amazing ideas you're I love you all next uh, time everybody send them to me <laughs> yeah or no, and then I'll tell Sarah I'm gonna be back on I'm gonna be back on I don't know okay. why I've just like been in a weird thing so but we'll 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 dig into it next week okay um yeah so marathon 
Marathon Monday. Right. And what are Ben's um, expectations? Like who are, who is his competition? Uh, have you heard this Kipchoge guy? (laughs) (laughs) I think maybe. (laughs) I see. Yeah. No. So, uh, I don't think he's, you know, thinking he's going to like run away with the win. Um, Okay. Okay. I don't know. He's tough to read. He's pretty fit. I don't know how excited he is to race. I don't mm-hmm. know. We're going to see. Mm-hmm. All I care about is that like Hawk and I are the best cheerleaders ever. <laughs> that's all I can control. Okay. That's true. That's good. You can only control. This is good. This is elite level advice. Like yeah, yeah, control yeah. what you can control, which is yeah. the cheering. Yeah. <laughs> you can't even really control Hawk's cheering. Well, <laughs> and yours. honestly, like people running by like 430 miles, they yeah. <laughs> are not going to see us. No. <laughs> they do not care. <laughs> <laughs> that's true you got to go find a hill is there a hill yeah there's hills busted even then even then like they they have their blinders on so it's mostly for the benefit of the people around us um it, it'll be fun though because ben's family is going to be down there and i get to meet uh his sister's new baby who's only a few months old um, and Hawk and I have been practicing with this little baby doll that he has, like making sure be gentle. So <laughs> we'll find out how that goes. Oh, that's so cute. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. I love that. So that. That's why we care about the cheering to entertain right. them. <laughs> right. Got it. You're entertaining other, like family members. Yeah, totally. not, nothing to do with Ben. No, 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 no. Right. <laughs> this all makes sense. It all makes sense. Um, okay. And Sarah, I was like, first of all, thank you for sharing. I was kind of with Megan, who is our voicemail that we're going to hear from, but thanks for sharing the story about me being misgendered in the bathroom. Like, I feel like that's super relatable and like, um, yeah, it just makes you stop and think, right? Like where, like we're living in a time when someone like yourself can be like told to leave the ladies bathroom, you know? Um, yeah, I don't know. I just, that, that really hit home. Um, not that it doesn't hit home when it happens to trans folks too, or non-binary folks or whomever, but like, yeah, it's just like, it's like, and actually, and I want to talk, I want to listen to to Megan's voicemail, but I do want to talk about this later that like one of the main problems with um, like the, like the challenges we're having with, for example, with trans women in women's sports and the whole conversation about that is like, and it's the same, it's the same problem one of the same problems with the bathroom situation is like how at the end of the day, how do you test people? Right. Like you cannot, you cannot, how do you respectfully, like what you have to have a blood test to go into the bathroom. Right. Like, does this make sense? Like what, what, or worse, you have to have some kind of physical examination to use the ladies. Like this is not the what, (laughs) like, how do you decide? And like some random attendant, you know, like gets to decide who's a woman. I don't think so. Like, yeah. Anyway, shall we hear from Megan? Let's do it. Let's do it. Hi, Sarah and Sarah. It's Meg here. I wanted to give Sarah to a big hug after listening to the podcast this morning and her mentioning the stinky stuff that's happening to our trans siblings. Um, I know Sarah doesn't like to get political, but I wanted to point out that a women's podcast on endurance sports ish 
would have been considered by some and probably still is considered by some to be a radically political act. Even if we do just talk about raccoons and mice often. Um, I wanted to talk about trans athlete bands because I think that one thing we don't often consider is how much these are an attack on women's sports. Um, I hope that we support trans human rights because they're human rights and trans athletes rights because they're human rights and sport is a human right because it's the right thing to do. But with media coverage and scare tactics, we might see them as protection of women's sports. And that's how they're often framed as um, protecting women's sports. But it's just not true. Um, and uh, taking away other people's rights is not protecting us. Um, I've said so for a long time and received a lot of hate for it. And um, if you don't know, I'm a mom, an athlete, a coach, a mom of a transgender athlete, and a coach of transgender athletes. And that experience has just made me critical. Um, and it's given me access to a lot of resources and research. And I'm super grateful for that. Um, when I share that, I am often the receiver of a lot of hate. And when I receive hate from a cisgender male who doesn't want to look at the research, um, it's hurtful, but it's a little easier to dismiss. When I receive that hate from a woman who uses language like I'm attacking women's sports or I'm hurting women's sports, it's super hurtful and much harder to dismiss. But I think it's really because we're not, because some people can only look at it as a women's issue and an attack on women. But I really like how Feisty has been talking a lot about equity versus equality. And I like to point out that, you know, there's that old saying that equality is not like pie, but equity is like pie. And when I'm given more support and resources, I can make more pie. And then it is our job as women, when we can now make more pie in sport, to share that pie with others who maybe do not have the support and resources that we do have. And then hopefully that continues on. Um, I think we need to see this as a human rights issue and a women's rights issue and a trans rights issue. And if we don't think that an attack on trans rights is an attack on women's sports, we're not paying close enough attention. Um, recently in Kansas, a trans athlete ban was passed and enacted, which includes the ability to require genital inspection in order to play sport. This means that a coach, an athlete, or a parent 
can request a genital inspection if they suspect that an athlete might be transgender. That a blood test or a birth certificate is not enough, but a actual physical genital inspection might be required. If we don't see that this is dangerous for women's and girls in sport, I I just don't understand how we're not enraged and outraged at this. Um, I just want to say thank you for continuing to fight for women's sports and all women's sports. Okay. Amazing voicemail. Thank you, Megan. Thank you for the work you're doing for your, your athlete, because like, you know, we, we have to be allies. Um, and sometimes that means being on the receiving end of some ugliness and like, it sucks that you have to be the recipient of it. Mm -hmm. Um, but better, I mean, honestly, like better that that athlete has knows that somebody like you is, is on your, their side, like, Mm -hmm. Just imagine how lonely they would feel otherwise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. I definitely kudos to Megan and everything that she does. Um, yeah, for sure. Um, I'm sure. And I just like, I kind of wanted to bring this because it goes along the same lines as the testing thing that I was just talking about. But like in Kansas, this kind of frightened me a little bit. Um, in Kansas this week, they passed a bill in which um, it's essentially a bill trying to ban transgender kids from playing in the, the female category in sports, in, in school, high schools, colleges. Um, and basically it allows for a physical examination, right? Which like is, it's like you can imagine, right? This is like a slippery freaking slope, right? Where you're like, okay, like I understand, like I'm kind of open-minded on both sides. Like I kind of, I do understand that like there is a fairness issue and how you define a woman for the sake of the women's category in sport is like touchy. And you want to make sure that you get that right, especially in situations where there's prize money at stake and all of those things. So like, I do have empathy, like a great deal of empathy of that for that, especially for someone who's tends to be more on the side of like, I'm definitely more on the side of inclusion. Like we need to find a figure, figure out a way. So everybody can play at every level. Like that is the priority in my mind. Um, however, <laughs> like you sometimes when shit like this happens, I'm like, I, my, my empathy for this, I don't know where I can't find it. Like I can't figure out how getting someone to do a physical examination on school children to make sure that they're girls so they can play sport makes any sense at all. Right. Like, and, and who's doing this, like someone's telling on someone else like this, this girl looks too masculine. Yeah. Right. Now you're going to check what she's a school girl. What are you checking? Like, what is this physical examination? Right. Like, and so it's not in the bill. It doesn't say genital test, but like, you got to ask the question, like, what is that? Like now she, like, regardless, now she, now you're taking your nine-year-old for what? Blood test? Like some, like what is happening? Like, and it doesn't, this just feels so, I'm sorry, like I'm a little ranty, but that it just feels so off base to me that I can't understand how like parents of children would prefer that their little girls be physically examined in order to play sports, then, you know, have a, then risk having, and 
to be clear, it's not you wouldn't you might not know if someone's trans risk having a masculine looking player on the team or in the sport with their kid. Like I can't. My mind is blown. It's it's so invasive and horrible. And you hear stories of athletes who have had to undergo uh, physical examinations to be able to compete. And like it's it's genuinely traumatic for them. Like the whole thing is genuinely traumatic and I can't like putting a child through that Mm -hmm. to be able to do something that is part of normal development, being able to play in an organized format. Like it's play. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Physicals, Physicals of somebody's genitalia should not be involved in that process (laughs) no never under any circumstances no like yeah it's um it's amazing it's shocking I don't even know what to say it it sat with me though and when I heard I actually thought Megan was going to bring it up on the voicemail I I a little bit thought that's where that was going because and maybe she did say Kansas or something during it but whatever it was I was thinking about that during that when I saw that we got a voicemail from Megan, um, because when that, like we talked, we had it that came through in our Slack channel, you know, and we were like, we were all just like, what the fuck? Like, it's just one of those moments, you know? Mm -hmm. I just, I don't, I don't understand how people can proceed with so little empathy and compassion for children. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just, uh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I know. Yeah. Yeah. What, what you said. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know how we transition out of that. Like I, I'm like, I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yeah. Now we have like next on the list, we have like a voicemail about running shoes. <laughs> <laughs> I think we just acknowledge that it's a shitty topic. Let's go awkward transition. Sorry. Well, <laughs> yeah. And like, there's no good transition from that. Yeah yeah okay um, so should we roll our next voicemail let's just roll roll like hunter i apologize for this transition but we're gonna listen to your voicemail now <laughs> hey sarah and sarah this is hunter coming to you from connecticut so i was listening to des linden and kara goucher's podcast today nobody asked us and it's really fascinating um it's fun listening to a podcast that is solely focused on running. Um, Most of my podcast content is focused on triathlon, gravel, a little bit of cyclocross. So, you know, why not listen to a podcast about running with two of the biggest names in the sport, um, both having books come out as of recent. Um, So I think it's a cool perspective. They had a whole episode on super shoes and they even said in the podcast they were airing their grievances about super shoes and just the evolution of the tech and how it's changed running and records don't really matter anymore um people are breaking records i guess weekly um and and they're putting that a lot on super shoes and you know i i thought it was interesting because in the triathlon world i feel like we celebrate the tech a lot where super shoes are awesome. We love them. We're always buying the latest and greatest. Um, yeah, Gustav comes out with these big shoes and we're not sure if they're legal or not, but like, I feel like the running world has a different 
essence about it related to this than the triathlon world does. It's very interesting to me. And then I like think of bike tech too and how much that's advanced, um, you know, with disc brakes and tubeless wheels and just simple aerodynamics and wind tunnel testing. And then we get into the scientific part of triathlon and, and how that's evolving. And, and to me, I'm like, well, I think this is just part of the sport. Um, isn't the sport going to evolve and technology is going to advance? But then I think, well, maybe I would have a different perspective if I was someone that kind of raced in an era of pre-super shoes and post-super shoes. And, you know, they didn't get that opportunity to run in these shoes and see what kind of times they could achieve in these shoes. Um, and, and so maybe I would have a different perspective from that sense. So, Sarah and Sarah, just to think an interesting topic to discuss, wondering if you guys had any opinions on the tech advancing, um, and if you felt, you know, it's changed the sport for good or for worse, and I think both of you have been in the sport long enough to kind of see the evolution, and, um, you know, Sarah True seeing your husband and running and going through that process too, so... You know, no big question here in this voice memo. I just think it's an interesting topic to discuss. And, you know, the differences is I I at least see the triathlon world embracing the tech. And it was interesting to hear a couple runners kind of being like, eh, I don't know about this tech, but we have to deal with it because it's here and it's part of the world now. And so we have to embrace it. All right. Hope you ladies have a great day. Yeah, I, I think one of the things I am very proud of for our sport is that we are really open-minded to technology, you know, mm-hmm. whether it's aero bars or other things that you see, like triathletes are pretty open-minded when it comes to equipment and trying new things. Um, yeah. It's, it's such an interesting conversation because you, you can easily go down this road of, uh, you know, is putting restrictions in place that reflect other governing bodies is that against the spirit of triathlon. Um, but also you want to balance out fair play. So I don't know. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, we, we had a conversation about shoes specifically and, and Ironman adopting the world athletics standards. Uh, but there's definitely something to be said about what's kind of cool about triathlon and how we're a bit rogue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It's hard to know the balance for that too, for like an organization like Iron Man, you know? Um, so we'll see. But one thing is like, actually after our conversation, I kind of like, it planted a seed in my head. Cause I was like, I want to try these shoes, <laughs> right? Like just as like a casual everyday runner. And like, I'm someone who's like full on like adopted Hoka's for several years and like, feel like I can run comfortably because of them now that I'm 47. And I remember, okay, backdrop for what I'm about to ask you, Sarah, is that um, Ellen wrote an article a while back for like, we were not sponsored by Hoka, but she wrote this article about how Hoka is becoming a fashion item. I don't know if you remember. And like, we put, we dropped in pictures and tweets about Hoka's on runways and like cultural icons wearing Hoka's and all this stuff. And then we got sent a bunch of free Hoka's, which was cool. But like, I saw, okay, so I'm standing in line in Phoenix to get my car rental. And this guy in front of me is like, just has like the coolest shoes the coolest looking running shoes. And I'm looking at them and I'm like, oh, Nike Zooms. Like, wait a second. (laughs) Like Sarah and I talked about this. I think that they're like, they're either, I mean, you were saying they're either like, I don't know if they're the actual, I don't know which version of the Zooms they are that he was wearing, but they had a huge, massive stack. Well, there's the Alpha Fly. 
There's the vapor fly. I mean, there's the zoom X. I uh, could look X. at that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know which ones you saw. So, and he was wearing them casually, which I thought was very interesting because I'm like, oh, maybe I could do this too. So I immediately, I had nothing else to do. I was like standing in the line. I was like Googling. They were his, of course, were the men's ones, but I was Googling to see what the women's ones look like. So I think the question is like, can I wear them? Like, do you think that I can wear them as a fashion item? Like, is this, is this allowed? Uh, I mean, people pay more money for fashion shoes. They're like three hundred dollars shoes. Three hundred dollars shoes. I know that was the thing. I was like, maybe hope it to go to the like. How much? Store. How much are like Yeezys? You know, like mm-hmm. there are other fashionable sneakers that are super expensive. True. Like so. I already pay. I'm already paying like two fifty for my Hoka's. Right. right. So like the jump isn't that high. Although I do run in my Hoka's. <laughs> I, w- I would say. <laughs> If people run and they see you just walking around, they'd be like, ha, 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 she's wearing race flats. <laughs> oh, okay. I have a slightly related story. Sorry to take this on a tangent. No, no, take um, it. <laughs> but the other day, I'm like, what are those shoes? Seeing somebody just wearing these, like, really interesting Nikes with, like, mm. a very flat sole. And I'm like, what the heck are those? And I kind of get closer and I can kind of see what's going on underneath. Mm-hmm. And they are uh, cross, cross country spikes, but they had taken the spikes out and they were just oh. wearing them casually. <laughs> and I'm like, oh. I was just dying. Like, the rest of the day, I'm like, oh, that's kind of cute. Like somebody who wore their cross country sky- spikes like back in high school. And they're like, yeah, these are my fashion shoots now. That's going to be me. People are going to be like, she got lost in sport check. She didn't realize she was buying the running shoes and not the casual shoes. And, but I mean, I didn't think that about the guy in front of me. I just thought cool shoes, but I'm not that connected to the running community right now. So yeah. yeah. Well, mm, now you've made me rethink it. Yeah. There'll mm-hmm. be a few people who'll be like, huh. She's just casually wearing alpha flies. Okay. <laughs> I think that's why I didn't originally, like, that's why I didn't start wearing hokas as, like, casual shoes was because I was, like, just too connected to, like, them as sport. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Um, but I feel like it would be so comfortable. Yeah. Like, it might even just be worth it from that perspective. Like, I can just bounce on a cloud to, to work. Just they are pretty bouncy down the street. Yeah. <laughs> so it does feel nice. And then the thing, the thing is I can't really go wrong. Cause if I just got them and decided I didn't really want to wear them as a fashion item, I could just wear them running. <laughs> I think that's the original intent. So. <laughs> <laughs> so there's always that. Okay. Well, I'm glad that you were honest about that feedback, Sarah. Well, what's good is if you need to like, just start booking it all of a sudden you have that like mechanical advantage Mm -hmm. so yeah you could be like walking to work and then Mm -hmm. you know you see a purse purse snatcher and you're like i'm gonna chase that person like Mm -hmm. all of a sudden you know you take (laughs) off like five (laughs) to ten seconds per kilometer (laughs) (laughs) snatcher (laughs) so really that's just it like i could just put us also a sign on me that's like you know, I'm wearing running shoes as fashion, but if your purse gets stolen, you will be grateful <laughs> that I'm wearing these shoes. <laughs> if, if I need to pull out a six minute mile, I will. <laughs> Not best 
answer on that because that's not in my wheelhouse right now. I will not. <laughs> and, oh, probably only one. <laughs> that's about accurate for my fitness. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> so I'm glad we clarified that. Okay, Sarah, let me tell you about our my women in sport panel that, we, that I went oh, to yes, last please. week. Yes, I'm super excited to hear about this. Yeah, by complete coincidence, my friend Catherine Bertine, I was just on LinkedIn and I was scroll. I was I don't when do I scroll LinkedIn? Like almost never. I must have gone on there and it popped up. And she was she had I didn't realize that she had organized it when I clicked on it because she just put it on her, but she organized a women in sport panel um downtown Tucson in like a big theater. Um yeah, and she the panel was like completely kick-ass. So for those who don't know, Catherine Bertine was like a massive advocate for women in cycling. She was a pro cyclist herself. Um, she worked for ESPN as a journalist and she um, was c- instrumental in like a big, what do you call it? A big petition at ch- on change.org that got a hundred thousand signatures that made the organizers of the Tour de France sit up and listen. Um, so tr- she was trying to get a women's Tour de France event and well, a hundred thousand, her and a hundred thousand people were trying to get a women's Tour de France event. They eventually ended up with the one day, um, La Course, they called it on the final day. Um, and since then it has kind of like evolved into what we had last year, which was the Tour de France femme of like Zwift, Zwift, <laughs> trying to pronounce Zwift with the French accent. That went wrong. <laughs> it's, it's all or nothing with the French accent. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Zwift. indeed. so then um yeah so anyway that's Catherine and then Catherine Switzer was on the panel um cool. and then um a, some other women that I had not heard of but there was one there was one two women who worked for ESPN one of them does hockey coverage and was on the U.S. Uh, Olympic team when they won the uh, gold in um, hockey in 1998. Um, and she now does like, she's now, like, now a commentator for both men's and women's hockey. Um, and then the other one, Sarah Spain, who I regret- regrettably didn't know who that was before the panel, but she is like a massive commentator in women's sports. She has a podcast called that's what she said. <laughs> um, but she also works for ESPNW and she's one of the co-owners of Chicago, the soccer team, the women's soccer team. Mm. Um, I want to get this right now. Um, the Chicago red stars. Uh, so basically, yeah. So basically she's like, was super Sarah Spain was like super informed about women's, the business side of sport. Right. And like, I was just like hung on every word. Cause it's like shit that I've never heard before. Don't know the inside of. Mm. Right. Um, and I'll tell you in a minute, but, um, Catherine Switzer also like, you know how you, I've read Catherine Switzer's book. I've seen her speak quite a number of times. She's like kind of a little bit closer to our endurance sport community, obviously. Um, And so I feel like I've had more, like I've heard more from her than the others, but she told this story like where she didn't, like I thought she had intentionally put Kay Switzer on when she first tried to enter the Boston marathon because she thought she wasn't going to be able to enter and it turned out that like, she just like, that's how she, that's what she called herself. Like it was completely accidental. Like she didn't, if she'd put Catherine, like the whole thing probably wouldn't have happened. Like she probably would have been denied. I think it was like KW Switzer. I think she put on her K Switzer. Uh, yeah. I just assumed that was an intentional move to. Yeah. Wow, no, it wasn't. Super interesting. Uh, yeah. And then she described, which I also had never thought about 
they were showing the pictures on the big screen of like Jock Semple kind of coming after her on the course. And actually, this is kind of apropos because you're going to Boston this week, like where she where he's trying to and she was talking about and you could hear it in her voice how scared she was, which like I hadn't really thought of like I'd never put myself in her shoes before. Right. That like like she's like it was terrifying. Like he was like physically trying to like grab me and pull me off the course and like you know, like, cause you sort of see the pictures and you kind of think, oh, like, remember she had that, forget what kind of athlete he was, but the big boyfriend, <laughs> right. Who like kind of helped her came to her defense, but like, really, I'm like, you have this like guy coming at you and he's like part of the race organization trying to get you off the course. Like, it, I think it just like landed on another level for me, just hearing her and actually hearing that, like in her voice all these years later, like that she was how scared she was in that moment. Um, so that really struck me. But yeah, so Sarah Spain was like unpacking all of this great information about women's sports. And one of the, I recorded a lot of it. And I'm going to continue to put it out on social. And I took one clip that I thought was really like on point and put it on our social media. And essentially she was explaining how like in NCAA sports, um, often like the, the, um, Budgets are lumped together for the men's and the women's sports. And often the rights to the TV, like the rights for the media stuff and the sponsorship stuff are all sold together as a package, right? Which is traditionally, now I'm just filling in some blanks here, but (laughs) I'm guessing that that's typically been good for women's sports because a lot of the times, like, for example, we know that like NCAA football, like will be um partially funding like lots of other sports men's sports and women's sports that don't have the same viewership etc and that there's like and after title nine like you have to spend as much money although almost no schools are compliant let's be fair but like that like you essentially are supposed to be spending as much money on the women's sports side of sports as men's sports uh, as a government-funded institution so like they just like lump the budgets together right but it also means that's that's my like that's my commentary fill in. But it also means that like when you have a win on the women's side, like the March Madness tournament recently for women's basketball, where they had more viewers, the seat, like the final sold at like a higher price point, right? That like they made more money than the men's tournament, essentially. Like when you have that kind of win, it's still getting lumped into the same budget at the as the men's so like when you have those little wins in women's sports at the end of the year it's not coming out like those shining moments are not being um like so you're they're still essentially she's like so the or the tournament organizers and the folks in charge of ncaa sport are still able to say well the women's sport is a loser mm. um so I, I just like so she that's what she kind of said she said it in a you know, she's very direct, you know, so I put this clip, 45 second clip onto um, our social media and man, Sarah, the trolls, the trolls came out like people coming on just being like, you're the fucking problem. I deleted some of them. What? Like, you're the fucking problem with, with women's sports. Like, no, Sarah, nobody wants to watch women's sports. Like just, just you can't. And like people even like making, there was a weird one that was like a bot. Who are these? Yeah, I mean, obviously a bot's not a person, but who are these people? Did you look like, who is this profile? I put hash, I didn't go that far into the profile. Somebody else came on and said, oh, by the way, that one's a bot, which I'm like, okay, who's, who's second, one degree of separation, you're not even a real person. Who sets up a bot to follow a women in sports hashtag and then put like terrible comments 
like who, who does what, what is happening? <laughs> right. Um, so anyway, I've just like, I know that that happens on social and actually like I'm in one of the moments, um, on the panel, um, the two women who work for ESPN also like basically were very vulnerable about, I probably won't share this on social, this particular clip, but I'll share it here. Like very like vulnerable, about like what people said to them, like people will write to them on Twitter and say, I hope you get raped. <gasps> like, yeah. Like not just like comments about their appearance, which I think we hear a lot, which like, but like, yeah. Or like that, or like nobody would ever want to fuck you. Like that kind of stuff. Yeah. That is and I was like, appalling. it was, yeah, you could hear the gasps in the audience. Yeah. And they continue to do the work because they believe in it. But at a cost, like, and I, I, I'm sorry, like, that's a lot. That's a lot it's a to lot. take on board. It's a lot to take on board. And it's, um, it's just like, that's essentially what happens if you're a woman commentating on like men's pro sports. Like, that's what's what kind of my takeaway disgusting yeah yeah so yeah there were a lot of like moments a lot of like you know like there was and there was a variety of experience on the panel I thought it was it went a lot more in depth than um some of the women in sports panels I've been to or been part of as well which was like really good to see that we're like that we're at the that next level of conversation about like breaking apart like yeah, like I do want to hear about the insides of like the business and where the flaws are and what's making money and what's not. Um, another excellent point that's the Twitch I will put on social that Sarah Spain made was that like we treat men's sports like a startup. So when it's losing, like and she gave examples of like pro leagues that are losing and we're like people still invest in them because they're like it, they they believe it's going to come around. Like, but when women's sports like are not treated like a startup and it's like but then when they lose, it's just like, because it's a loser, it's not a good business model. It doesn't work. Nobody wants to watch women's sports. Right. And like, that's also an interesting, I'm like, oh yeah, I can see that. And she had some really great examples of like major men's sporting events that were um, essentially losers that were like, you know, losing $200 million a year kind of thing. Yeah, no, I, I'm, my understanding of like the WNBA financials, like they're operating on a shoestring budget that would like, they're making they're doing quite, they're doing really well considering where they started. And Mm -hmm. basically it was exactly that model. Like from the start, they were expected to be profitable very quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, And that, that wouldn't have been the same expectation of a men's league. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's, it sounds like you think that we've been having conversations about, okay, how to get our, our seat at the table. And we're there now. So it's it's like time to analyze like how we find j- real equity because just because we're at the table that's not enough. Um, is yeah, that fair to say? I don't think we're like totally at the table, but we're more at the table. Yeah, right. Like there's more, and and I also think that the like you know in a cultural sense, I've been a part of a lot of panels that where people really had some really had some like pain and discouragement about women's sports. Like so, the, so everybody had a story about how they'd been from everything from like how their cousin Jenny had been excluded from the boys hockey team to like, you know, to like really bad stories, like about abuse and systemic issues and like, you know, and everybody like, there was kind of this like pain, you know, like when I've led stuff before where people are like, they just want to tell their stories and that's where we are. Right. And that's where, that's where we were. But I think now we're getting 
So that next thing of like, like the stories are super important and we should always have stories. Right. And we need to like, we need to like critically examine like how the systemic problems that create those stories and how we make change to it. So I see that in things like um, now how we're the conversation around like, like LEA, Red S, uh, the female athlete triad and how we're dealing with and how we deal with female athletes through puberty, for example, how we develop female athletes. That's that whole conversation is like coming into the light, you know, it's like, oh yeah, we had it wrong. <laughs> um, so stuff like that. I think that is like, that's one thing that's like, okay, there's some critical analysis going on around like how we can create better female athletes full stop, not just this kind of like pain point storytelling um, piece. Hmm. Does that make cool. sense? Yeah. So overall, it sounds like a pretty, pretty good talk. Yeah, it was awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's take a break. And then Sarah, we're going to hear about getting rid of gear. Let's talk about Orca for a minute. In 2018, Orca approached me at the Ironman World Championships in Kona and said, hey, we love what you are doing and we want to support women better. So we are designing products specifically for women rather than just, you know, shrinking the men's products. And we want your help. That's me, Sarah, and Feisty Media that they were asking for help from. Not only that, but I personally find that my Orca wetsuit is the best I've ever had for flexibility and buoyancy. And I definitely wish I had found it when I was racing pro. Fast forward four years and Orca has launched their new triathlon wetsuits and other gear designed specifically for women. I'm so proud to have been part of this process. So you can order your very own wetsuit and other fab products for 15% off using the code IRONWOMEN15 at orca.com. That's Iron Women, the name of one of our amazing triathlon podcasts, IRONWOMEN1515 at orca.com. Okay, so this is this is just kind of a quick quick thing. Um, I'm really excited. I got an email from this this guy. So a couple months ago, I was like, okay, our garage is a bit crazy. Uh, I've been stockpiling stuff like wheels and bikes and things. I need to get rid of things because we could barely walk through our garage. <laughs> and yeah, no, it was it was getting bad, and it was the kind of thing where I would sell like a bike every once in a while but it's just it was out of control out there and I'm like I need to do something drastic so I contacted this guy through it was like a friend of a friend type thing and what he does is go to your garage essentially loads up, he loaded up his entire van with wheels and all sorts of things like little components that are like you know like nine speed kind of component okay maybe not nine speed but things that I wouldn't know how to get rid of. Mm -hmm. And he just emailed me today. He's like, well, you know, part one of your money is coming. And I'm like, this is amazing. Because otherwise it would probably be sitting in my garage. And I am so excited. Um, <laughs> because I think if I've just been going with my, my previous approach was, all right, some things I'll give to like the, the Dartmouth Triathlon Club. Some things I just like straight up donate. Maybe every once in a while I'll sell a bike, but I still was kind of stockpiling things, even though I was trying to like get rid of things every once in a while. Mm. But it's just, it was so cathartic to like clear out most of my garage and not worry about it. And it's like this magical so check great. is going to come. Yeah. So <laughs> I, fu 
fully recommend this to people is mm-hmm. like if you have a whole bunch of stuff uh if you live in new england i'll send you his name uh well i haven't gotten the check yet so maybe not we'll wait until claire's um but yeah i mean it's it's yeah, i just gave it cleared out your garage so yeah. far all that's happened is a guy took all your but stuff but even that i would probably would have paid no no because there i had some things of value um but it's just it's amazing how good it feels to like i think there was a lot of like emotional weight of I have this thing these things I need to get rid of and just like I don't want to throw it away because I have things of value but also I'm so busy I'm not going to sit there and list things on eBay Mm -hmm. um yeah so but like you know he took things that are are way outdated and he sold them and yeah I think every everybody if you just like want to get rid of a bunch of stuff Try to find something in your area. It feels it feels really good. What's his business model? Like, does he take a cut or does he, do you pay him up front and then you, he just sends you all the money? No. Oh, yeah. No, definitely. Um, so it's it's a sliding scale based on the item. Uh, okay. I would I would have to look, but uh, like based on the value of the item, he takes a certain percentage. So like, I don't know, the more valuable things... Mm-hmm. uh you know i keep a greater percentage but right. you know listing oh listing that's like, good that he does it that way yeah yeah but listing something that's you know 20 dollars, for example it's a lot of work on his end for not a lot of returns so if he takes like 60 percent of it 70 percent, whatever like if mm-hmm. that's that sort of thing i probably would have just like given away right but yeah like a a bike frame obviously i want to keep more of that percentage so that's that's his model yeah yeah. And anything, cool. anything that doesn't sell, he donates to um, like a local bike club. So awesome! Yeah, yeah. I like yeah. this. Yeah, really me too. Cool. Me too. Mm-hmm. So that was my little. That was my little thing. And nice. That's it. Good tip. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, a good tip with an asterisk. The asterisk being we can wait. wait. Till next, the check clears. I want to hear next week about whether the check clears. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. All right, Sarah. Well, I am very much looking forward to our post Boston wrap up um hopefully you know the cheer squad we have our act together i don't know it's a it's a couple hours of standing out in the rain potentially so we'll see okay Okay. well good good luck with that thanks thanks (laughs) um thank you for listening to another week of if we're writing send in your voicemails we loved having two of them this week and we'll talk to you next week None of you people can tell me to stop My town, my crown We know what it takes to be reaching the top We're reaching the top We're reaching the top We know what it takes to be reaching the top